Listen up, son. You are listening to Getting Down with Chris Brand. Removing the barrier between entertainment and education. You better start listening. You want to play rough? Well, say hello to my little friend. What is good, Hollywood? Welcome back to another quarantine isolation episode of Getting Down with Chris Brown. Bam, bam, bam. Where today I'm going to let you in on probably the most important and essential skill of this decade. So I challenge you that if you know of a more important or essential skill, please let me know. But firstly, for the update, I am still locked up in the Sheraton, day 12, so I still have two more days left, and props to the Sheraton, as they've definitely stepped their game up, and all the meals, have uh, they've gotten way better. I've been receiving nice steaks with uh, mushroom sauce, chicken breast, salmon, pastas, quinoa, different salads, and uh, yeah, they've just stepped their game up, definitely. So it's made my time a little bit better. Um, I'm definitely not eating as much, only still three meals per day, and um, you know, I, I still get my, my call from the Sheraton or Red Cross asking if I need any emotional assistance or food or medicine, so yeah. At least they're asking me if I've got the symptoms. Keeping the streets safe, eh? But um, in the last few days, I've seen a bunch of companies calling themselves out, such as Elon Musk with Tesla, Grant Cardone with, uh, with Cardone Enterprises, Cardone Capital, and so on. And they've said that they're starting back operations tomorrow. So t- tomorrow's Monday. So it's going to be interesting to see what's going to what's going to happen if they're going to either get arrested or I think that the economy is going to slowly start reopening which that will be good. But yeah, the thing is even before all of this COVID-19 bullshit, a lot of people already had a lot of, you know, apprehension, a lot of anxiety. So it is going to be interesting to see how it does affect everyone, what's going to change. No more, no more handshakes, just uh, COVID kicks and the old fist pumps. Who knows? But today, I want to tell you a little skill which, uh, which you'll want to master in order to thrive and survive. And it will 100% make or break your future success. Or not. Let me know, Pandek goals, okay? But firstly, I want to bring it back a little bit, okay? So a few, quite a few years back, I'd just finished high school, I was completing my electrical apprenticeship, and I'd, I'd been working uh, you know, as, a, as an electrical linesman and cable joiner for a few years, okay? So for the first few years I'd joined, uh, I'd, I'd joined the network, I, had, I didn't really take any holidays. I only used to take those... Uh, those few days that you'd get at Christmas time and like Easter and the the few public holidays that we'd receive. And at the time I'd been you know, I'd been planning our trips with my mates, like going through our travel ideas. We'd gone to Thailand a few times, um, and now our, what we were doing, we were we were planning Europe. 
So I had been talking to some of the fellas at work about the upcoming trip. And I remember at the time, some of the fellas, they would uh, kind of question me on like on why I'd want to go overseas as if it was kind of like an, an odd idea being like, what, why would you want to go over there? You know, which, which is fair enough. Some people, they, they just stay where they are their whole life and, and that's completely normal. But my, my mum and my dad, they, they're well-travelled. Like my dad's from England, so I don't know, it just seemed normal to me and it's something that kind of sparked my interest a lot from a young age, especially after the, like my first trip over to Thailand with like eight of my mates when that was crazy. And then uh, after that, like everyone pretty much kind of just got the travel bug. So yeah, I was like talking, I was at work talking to one of my bosses and like he's, he was kind of questioning me on, on why I want to go overseas. And then, so I'd ask him, I asked him if he'd been overseas, just being curious. And then he's like, uh, yeah, the, the only place I've been overseas is, uh, is to Manly and like referring to him catching the ferry across the harbour in Sydney. Classic joke, well done. But uh, I don't know, situations like that, they always inspired me to not become a person where I like lived in the kind of same, same place my entire life and working for the exact company my entire life, doing the exact same thing my entire life. It kind of motivated me to go out, try different things, work out what I liked, what I didn't like. Um, and like one thing that I always done with myself, I told myself, okay, I'm going to spend my 20s like fucking around, traveling, trying things. And by the time I, when I get into my 30s, that's when I'll like knuckle down and get a little bit more career motivated. Like at that time, my goals were like, so I, I can't. I think I was like 19, 20 at the time. And my goals back then w- was to become a project manager. And uh, for most people in that position, it's uh, like I, I've, I've already done it. But like in that position, it's like living life on a hamster wheel. You're like spending all your time trying to finish a project under time and under budget. And then when you finish that project, you're on to the next project. So it's the same thing. It's like a hamster wheel constantly going around. And like, I think, I guess in, in all places I've worked at in construction and, and working in the electrical infrastructure, holidays are pretty much like, uh, like frowned, like not really working for the government, but working for contractors. And when you are doing project management, it, like taking holidays and time off is like, it's like frowned upon. You're expected to work long hours, work weekends, live away from family. And so since... Since my goals at that time were to be a project manager, I told myself, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to dive straight into it now. I'm going to get more serious after I turn 30. Because I had in my mind that I'd be not, be, not being able to travel and uh, take advantage of these, these, um, you know, th- these things when I, when, I, when I am a project manager. So back to when I was about, I think, 20, 21 I'd, I'd saved my, my holidays up, saved my RDOs. They're the rusted days off that we used to get for, for being an electrician. Um, and I had about six weeks paid vacation time. So I had planned to travel Europe with, with two of my mates, Miami Mickey and D-Ball Danny. And uh, I remember that they could only get about three or four weeks holiday leave. 
So what I had done, I had organized to go to Pamplona with, uh, with one of my friends since she was living at London at the time. Now, now back then, Kentucky, like the, the travel, travel company, they used to run package deals to the Pamplona Festival, okay? It's running the, running the bulls. Just like some of, the, some of the other, I guess, bucket list type events like La Tomatina, that's the tomato fight in, uh, in the east of Spain. Or you've got like Oktoberfest in, uh, in Munich, Germany. But um, like the the travel companies like Contiki and, and Basketball and so on, they've kind of distanced the, themselves from like running the Bulls Festival now as it's too unethical. And uh, the exact same reason people frown upon taking photos with, with tigers in Thailand, like riding elephants. And like the same reason that suddenly, you know, in the last few years, there's w- way more vegans, which, which is fair enough. More people, I guess, more people want to like give give back now and not not take as much, which is good. But let me tell you one thing: some of these other cultures, they don't give a fuck. They're still some are still just like ruthless, and they'll just stick to to their culture, which is also fair enough. So anyway, uh, me and Manea, we flew from London and we went on a little adventure to the north of Spain to Pamplona. To the festival, it's called San Fermines, which is obviously famously known as Running of the Bulls. And like, it, it's one of the biggest festivals in Europe where, you, you know, I'm sure everyone's kind of seen footage of it. You see it in um, the videos of people getting fucked up, running in front of, uh, you know, the large 600 to 700 kilo, like, uh, fucking bulls with sharp pointed horns. And like at the time, we didn't know too much about it, but it looked like an awesome time. It looked super fun. So we got to the festival. Shit was mayhem. It's like super packed, people from all over the world. And the, the thing is, which was kind of like a, a wig out, that the, I thought it would be just full of like young people, but there's like families and people of all ages. You like you like walking down the street and you see people passed out sleeping on the ground and then like walking over the top of them is like families holding babies with their grandparents. So it's it's kind of funny. But um w- w- like when we get there you're walking down and something that the, the Australians actually invented at the festival it's called fountain jumping which is uh you know when you go to in summertime when you go like cliff cliff jumping you you go down and you jump off the rocks into the water well in Pamplona it's it's similar to that but you 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 jump to the top of a fountain it's it's a very thin fountain you climb to the top of it jump off head first but instead of jumping into water you get caught by crowds of people that are below and yeah they're expected to catch you a lot of people get fucked up, but yeah, it's just funny that we found out that um, Australians are the ones that invented it, and like the the, the Spaniards, they would they kind of got a little bit offended about it. So that's kind of funny. But any anyway, back to the story. Um, yeah, there's backpackers from everywhere. People set set up camp wherever they can, sleeping on the street. But we were on on the Kentucky tour, so we had uh, like tents to sleep in. There, there was also uh, another company that uh, stayed in the same camping grounds. They were from Bus About. 
And uh, yes, so we had like, uh, I think, blue tents and then bus about, they had like orange tents. So, and, and I think the camping ground was like about 20 or 25 minutes drive from the town. But yeah, the, the, uh, the parties there, they, they're pretty much non-stop. So the first night we got there, we went out and partied. Um, in Pamplona, there's like a bunch of underground bars and they turn into like discotecas, like nightclubs. And uh, yeah, it's just like fully packed, everyone drinking shitty Spanish beer. And uh, usually it was like lots of sangria. So the following day, we got up nice and early, hopped on the bus and we all headed in <coughs> into the area of the rum. And like, you need to get in there pretty early. It, we got in there about 7 a.m. And like everyone's dressed in the traditional, the, it's usually the white shirt with like a red balaclava around the neck um, and a red scarf around the waist. So before running, all, 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 I, all I knew and all everyone pretty much knew because I think mo- pretty much everyone there was their first time. So we, we knew that like 15 people ha- had died beforehand. We knew that like hundreds of people get fucked up and injured every, every run. People get gored by the bulls. But like my old boss used to tell me, you got to be young and dumb to become old and noble, which is fair enough. So, you know, you just got to risk it for the biscuit. Fair enough. So we headed onto the actual street of the run, like where the course actually is, because it's, it's all barricaded. So it starts at the statue of San Fermin, and like everyone was still half drunk since we we only had stopped partying a couple hours earlier, decked out in the uniform, ready to roll. So some of my plans, which I had I'd been planning for a while, which was going to be videotaping the entire run on on my GoPro. At the time, it was like the the GoPro Hero Three. So that shows how, how, how long ago it was. But yeah, I'd, uh, I was pretty G'd up, ready to make a badass video. So on, on the drive over there, well, they'd been telling us multiple times by the festival organizers and uh, you know the event coordinators how you're not allowed to videotape the run or take photos. But I'd seen like a bunch of videos and photos on the internet. So I was like, fuck that. I'm going to be videotaping the entire thing. And like I'd specifically bought a GoPro chest strap for it, um, an extra white shirt underneath. So my plan was to wear the, uh, the, 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 the white shirt or two white shirts. And then on top, the, on top of the, the bottom shirt, have my GoPro chest strap, the GoPro rolling, and then videotape my entire run. So, oh, excuse me. So as we were waiting in the run zone with like the with our friends, we saw, excuse me, I saw like a guy close by with his camera in his hand, and he was walking around catching a bit of footage. And then suddenly, I saw two policemen run run up to him, tackle him to the ground, punched him in the side of the head, took his camera, threw it, and then they walk off. And like the police there. The police presence there is fucking... There's a lot there. So I was like, fuck that. They're ruthless. And that kind of burst my bubble. And that was the end of my dope-ass video. So, anyway. 
at about 7.30am, th- th- they block the barricades, and if you're not in by then, you miss out. And some of the policemen, they're quite ruthless. If, like, they see some people getting, going, like, over the barricades to run, and the people are a little bit tubby, if they're a little bit big, they'll, like, get them out, because they're, like, if there's a pile-up, the, the, the larger people, they'll just block it and get fucked up. Okay, so then what happens that they conduct the prayers and the singers sing, they like sing a song at the start, which is in, it's in Spanish and it's in, in Basque, okay? So, yeah, the, B- Basque, that's like the indigenous ethnic group, which they like inhabit the area to the, to, uh, to the north of Spain and the south of France. It's called Basque Country. Um, I I don't know too much about it. I used to live with with a girl who was Basque when I was living in Madrid. They've got their own language, like their own dialect. Um, but the, the the only thing that stands out to me is they have the wildest mullets in the world. If you have time, go and Google Basque mullets, and they're fucking crazy. They I don't know they they're, they're weird mullets. Anyway. Um, so we're waiting for eight a.m. to arrive. The prayer and the song is taking place. I'd look around and I'd see like Spaniards getting super emotional in prayer, like down on one knee, holding their heart, <coughs> looking super emotional. So we're like, what the fuck? We were all talking about our different tactics since uh, they, what they do, they let six bulls go first, which are the dangerous ones with the uh, super sharp horns. And then six steer, which they're a little bit more manageable. And the aim of the steer is to kind of guide the bulls back into into the bullfighting arena. It's it's a it's nearly I think it's a between eight it's nearly nearly nine hundred meter course. So the goal is to make it to the bullfighting arena at the end. So you need to run nearly nine hundred meters. And then what happens, yeah, after the, the, the bulls arrive and then uh, usually they get separated and when the bull gets separated from the herd, that's when they fucking go crazy and start attacking people. And so the, the bulls go through, the, the, steer, the steer, I think it's about six steer as well, they go through and then after the, the last steer goes through, that's when they shut the entrance to the bullfighting arena. So you want to get in there. The, the, the goal is to get in there. That's when a lot of the fun starts. So you definitely don't want to miss out. I remember I was there. I was feeling pumped, excited to see the bulls running. No, no idea what it was going to be like, but it's all it's all exciting being there, like getting ready. And then it hits eight o'clock, and then you hear uh, a rocket goes off, and you hear the rocket go off, and then that's when the adrenaline starts to pump. They're like everyone starts yelling. There's, there's people outside the barricades yelling. People from rooftops, from balconies, and it's just mayhem. So some people had already started to find little safe spots, and they have their their little tactics that they they plan so they don't get fucked up. Um, you know, there's like sharp turns where you can uh, like stand in, in some different areas, so there's no chance of you getting fucking gouged by the bulls. I didn't really have a game plan, but all I wanted to do, I wanted to make sure that I make it into the bullfighting arena. If I like just ran it and then fucking they closed the gates before me, I would have been spewing. Okay, so the, the, the rocket goes off and then suddenly it's like every man for themselves. I'd already lost my mates and then it, you suddenly receive like a fear of the unknown. You got no idea what it's going to be like. 
Like, are these bulls fucking crazy wanting to gouge everyone? Or do they just run through? Who the fuck knows? <clears throat> and the thing is that on the streets in Pamplona, they're all like cobblestone roads. And what they do each night, each, I guess, early in the morning, they'll go through and... It goes from being like dirty at night, super dirty at night time, litter and fucking the streets are dirty with rubbish everywhere. And then it gets to the morning and it's fucking spotless. It's quite crazy. But the cobblestone roads there, they're quite slippery since they're still a bit wet. And then uh, the, the course, it's extremely, some of the, the areas are extremely narrow. And all there is is like uh, brick facade buildings. So there's like nowhere to go. If you're, if you're on the, the course and then the balls are coming and you get stuck, that you can get fucked up. So I was jogging down at a decent speed already. And then like I started to hear some loud screams and like you're turning around, you can see the facial expressions as you try and look at the furthest part behind you that you can see. But like a lot of the course is super like curvy. So you, you, you don't know how far away that the balls are. And then like suddenly turn around and I saw four fucking massive bulls running full speed directly at me and that fucking scared the shit out of me my adrenaline is fucking pumped I thought my my heart was gonna pump out of my chest and then like at that moment I felt like I was like the tiniest skinniest you know high school kid playing in a football team with like four of the meanest scariest front front row rugby league players you can even think of running straight at me holding like a machete in two hands that's what it felt like it's like if you get hit by these motherfuckers you're out cold so i'm pretty sure i like molded into the brick wall to the side of me held my breath and like fucking and thank thank god they ran straight past me so that was four, four of them coming straight through side by side. And then I sunk to the wall, looked like lost my shit. Then fucking after the way they went past, it was like a, a nice sign of relief. But then I knew that there was like two more. And then if, if they're separated, that's when they go fucking crazy. So after those four went past, that's when I, I decided to uh, put on the pace and try and keep keep up with them, and I bolted for the bullfighting arena. So luckily I made it into the arena, and you, you uh, run in there, and then it's a kind of uh, a bull, just a bullfighting arena. It's not too big. It, uh, it, sit, it fits about 20,000 spectators, and all the chairs that they're fully, they're, they're all full, like it's completely, completely um, full. And then after, like, uh, I was trying to grab my, my breath a bit. And then finally, the, the rest of the bulls made it in there. And then the steer come in. And then that's when they lock the barricades. The bulls and the steer, they go away through another side door once they uh, go into the stadium. Like, guys wearing weird pink shirts, they're the ones that um, help them go, go away. And then you get a quick moment to catch your breath. And then soon enough... They let loose a, a vaca. That's like a Spanish fighting cow. It's, it still like, looks like a bull, but a little bit smaller. Their horns aren't as sharp. But these animals, they're bred to be extremely aggressive. Especially when they're isolated from the herd. So, so what happens? They keep letting, let, letting one loose for, I don't know, about five or ten, maybe seven minutes or so. And, um, and they, these vacas, they're fucking... They go apeshit. They're just trying to fuck everybody up. 
and like the goal is to just kind of run around and like and hit the hit the vaca on on the on the ass and not get fucked up. So, and like I guess you don't really realize that the stadium's not too like being in there's not too big, so it's full of people. There's this crazy fucking fighting cow going mental. And then you just try and not to get fucked up, being hungover. And after like fucking thirty minutes, you get a, an extreme adrenaline dump where you're like, "Come on, I just want this motherfucker to end." But it's it's kind of funny because you see some people who like you know if you're unfit or something, you, you need to be on your toes, ready to dodge this fucking fighting cow. And then you see some people that are like super tired after a few minutes and they try and bail. They try and jump like one of the barricades to get out. <coughs> but the Spaniards, the, the locals who are there on the side of the stadium, they're like, uh-uh. And they fucking start throwing beers at you if you try and, if you try and get out or they, um, or they push you back in. So you, you see some like, some, uh, you know, some people try and get out and you're like, nah, no chance. You are staying in here for 45 minutes, son. So yeah, after 45 minutes or so dealing with about, I think, eight different vakas, the, um, it finally ends and then you leave the arena. But so it was a badass experience. Some people like go and do it every single morning, but uh, I guess our trip was a little bit more party orientated. So we just done it once. I think the festival went for about, it goes for eight days all up. We were there for, I think, three or four days. So we just like ran, ran once and, um, and then partied the rest. But some of the best takeaways from this trip was it's because uh, this was my first like decent trip overseas. So it was good to see how much like it opens your eyes to, I guess, the different cultures and how some things are so like upwards down compared to Australia and what, you know, it's a lot of different shit happens that most people what uh, most people are used to but i think the best thing about coming back from from like traveling is being able to like evaluate your job evaluate your, your career and like working out if you're actually enjoying it or not because you meet so many people that are, are doing so many different different uh occupations uh like hobbies different things in their, in their life so you become aware of like all the different possibilities so many people start their careers straight out of school, university, or their apprenticeships, and then they just get so comfortable, and then they believe that they've, you know, acquired their skills in their life, and, you know, the, like, for the, the facts, 85% of people hate their job, but, like, most people, they can't, you know, imagine them doing anything else, and they're too scared, they're too comfortable, they don't want to take a pay cut, um, you know, like ego comes into it, and a lot of people that they've already kind of, in their eyes, have learnt their skills, and they don't have the ego to want to be the person getting shown things instead of showing other people. Yeah, and like the the list goes on. But like today, with all this fucking coronavirus, COVID nineteen bullshit, it's kind of pushed reality into everybody's faces, and like. Yeah, it's crazy. Even like the rise of of AI, of like artificial intelligence, it's already disrupting a lot of business sectors and a lot of people are losing their their jobs. A a few of my friends in America, they've already lost their jobs. So arguably one of the most important skills to acquire today and it will be very important going into the future is reinvention. 
If you can't reinvent yourself and adapt to today's changes and, you know, acquire new skills open your, and open your mind up, then, like, you're going to get a slap in the face. Already today, 3.9 million Australians are currently unemployed, uh, unemployed and 36 million Americans are unemployed, you know. So the, the list goes on. That's only from, from COVID-19. So, oh, no, sorry, the, 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 that's total, but, like, that's COVID-19 on top of AI in the future. Things are going to get hectic. So what I saw, uh, Kai Fu Lee, he's an artificial intelligence pioneer and expert, and what he's predict, predict, uh, sorry, predicted just with AI is that it's going to automate and potentially eliminate 40% of jobs within the next 15 years. So my, my, my challenge for you is to um, start thinking about reinvention, what skills you can acquire so you can thrive and survive in this new age because the fucking del mundo, the world is going crazy. So yeah, ha- have a good think about it. Let me know what you think. Gracias por escuchando, putos. Thank you for listening and peace.